No Catch Up Chicago. What's up, my people? You are listening to No Catch Up Chicago. We focus on Chicago news first and everything else second. Weekly, the No Catch Up Chicago gang talks Chicago sports, culture, and avoids cornballs by any means necessary. It's done for Chicago and by Chicago. Listen up. What's really good, my people? Welcome into the No Catch Up Hotline. I am your host, Sean Little. Happy New Year. It's 2019. If you've been thinking about doing something and you've been sitting on it, 2019 is the year to get it done. I had the opportunity to talk to one of my favorite Chicago sports writers, Darnell Mayberry of The Athletic. Covers the Bulls for them. We talked about him coming to Chicago, covering the Bulls, what it's like covering the Bulls right now. But the team is in a little bit of turmoil. It's in a rebuild. He's, got, he's already on his second coach. This is his first year covering the Bulls. We talk about not being from Chicago, what it's like to cover the Bulls, hear from the fans. The reason we hopped on the phone is because he just dropped an awesome piece named We Did It For The City, an oral history of, the, of Chicago's favorite team that didn't win it all, the 2010-2011 Chicago Bulls. It's no doubt worth the 4 or $5, whatever the athletic costs monthly, just to read this piece and continue to read Darnell's work on the Bulls. He does a great job covering those guys. Darnell Mayberry of The Athletic on the No Catch-Up Hotline. Listen up. Joining the No Catch-Up Hotline, Darnell Mayberry covers the Bulls for The Athletic. Mayberry, how are you, man? Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you. I'm well. Thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for coming on. Let me get let me let you know this right off top. The people of Chicago are really appreciating your work. They're loving what you're doing, especially a guy coming from the outside coming in. It's uh it's been a pleasure to to read your stuff and and you covering the Bulls this year so far. Hey man, I appreciate that. It's it's uh, you know, when I first made this move, it was really intimidating because there's so much history, so much rich history with this franchise in the city, just when it comes to, to the game of basketball. And, and uh, you know, it, it, there's a lot of big shoes to fill in this market. And, you know, I, I haven't even scratched the surface, um, you know, of what I, I'd like to be able to do. But but it was intimidating, man. So I'm glad that, that the work is uh, really resonating with people right now so far. Yeah, no doubt, because if it wasn't, we would definitely let you know. <laughs> that's one thing that i have learned about this city man when when you hear all the stories about you know how it's a tough city and it's a, it's a tough sports town like i get it I, I get it now yeah no that shit is real and it's funny because i I catch all your pieces and i make sure i read them and we talk about them on the pod all the time and i can't remember what it was but you you dropped an article about i think it was about the toughness thing after we got into a fight and right off top people in the comments yeah. like yo man listen Get back yeah. to the get back to the nuggets in the notebook. We love that. Like, stay away from this shit. Yeah, which you know, everyone and, and people are actually paying for our content, so you 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 actually care a lot more than when you know you're giving out content for free because people are are taking the time to to spend their hard earned money on your product. So, you know, I, I really took that to heart. But at the same time, you know, it's like don't tell me, you know, like how to you know, what lane to stay in, you know, it's like, I saw it one way, uh, I reported it that way and wrote it that way. And, you know, I, I thought it was good for people to be able to get in there and, and disagree and voice their displeasure with how I approached it. But at the same time, you know, I stand by what I wrote. Oh, no, of course, of course. I'm just saying, hey, like the what basically what I'm getting at is 
the Chicago folks will let you know how they're feeling one way or another, yeah. regardless. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. That was, that was a good experience. That was the most criticism I, I had received on any article. I mean, I've had some other ones that, that hadn't done as well, but, you know, that was the most vocal that I've seen some people in, in terms of criticizing my work. So, you know, I, I think I needed that, man. You know, it, it showed <laughs> me that I, I ain't immune to I can get it, too. So I liked it. Right. That's what's up, man. I'm glad, uh, glad you're here. Glad you're covering the Bulls, man, once again. Um, the nuggets from my notebook are awesome. I think it really gives Appreciate people, that. yeah, it really gives people that feel of just another guy watching the game. Cause I think that's what people are doing at home. That's what I know I'm doing at home. I'm watching the game and I'm taking notes so that I think that really resonates with the folks because they're real, they're real sports fans and they kind of know what's going on. It's not some trumped up column opinionated piece. It's raw. It's kind of what's going on. Yeah, but the crazy thing is, it. I was thinking about this either this morning or yesterday after I wrote the, the ones off of that that Wolves game. Yeah, it kind of is an opinionated piece, though. You know, like I, I put a lot of opinion in there. I hear what you're saying. It's not like a normal column, right? Uh, that you were writing, you know, finding the Tribune or the Sun Times or wherever, you know, ESPN.com, whatever. Uh, but it, but it is a lot of opinion, and and I, I like to think that it's fact based opinion, and I'm not just you know going out there throwing out hot takes, but. Uh, and an informed opinion as well. So, um, you know, I enjoy doing them, man. They take a lot of work, though. You know what I mean? I'm glad people appreciate them because they do take a lot of work. Yeah, no, no doubt. And I think this is a perfect segue into the, the nuggets you wrote last night about the Wolves game and Levine coming back and kind of D-Rose back in the building. You open the article with what is the goal of this team offensively right now? What do you think... And then you kind of go into Levine talking and all that stuff. In your opinion, what do you think the goal should be? Should we be focusing more on marketing? Should we? What should the focus be? I don't. I felt like I didn't really get your opinion. You more of kind of went into Levine talking about, you know, we're trying to figure it out, etc. What do you right. think they should be focusing on? What should they be? Who should they be running the offense through? What should be the focus? I mean, I think it's more of a it's more of a big picture focus, uh, and and that to me is the development of Larry Market and Wendell Carter Jr. Probably first and foremost, then Zach Levine and Chris Dunn uh, follow closely after that. I think these guys need to be focused on doing everything they can to make sure that those core guys, uh, and we can debate all day long about, you know, which guys are in the court. That's why I started with Laurie and Wendell. We know those two guys are going to be here. Um, everything should be focused and tailored toward developing those guys and doing everything you can to make sure that they have long and fruitful careers. And just right now, what I see out of this offense, I mean, why are you posting up Robin Lopez twice as much as you're posting up Wendell Carter Jr.? So, like, that that's kind of my point. I, I just don't understand <laughs> what they're doing. And why they're doing it. Yeah, Robin Lopez got 13 shots last night. Yeah. So, yeah. There's 10 of them, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, no. They still lost by 20. Yeah, I agree with that. And, I mean, I think that's this is kind of the, the what happens when you bring in a defensive guy that kind of – he just doesn't know what – he just doesn't know what time it is on O, and this is kind of the product of that. I want to I wanna ask you a question because this is how I feel. Does someone need to tell Lori Markin and like, you're the man? Like, hey, listen, bro, this is for, for, 
I don't know how to say for what it's worth. I guess does someone need to be like, "Yo, Lori, I know Zach Levine's getting paid eighty. He got eighty seventy eight, but at the end of the day, this whole organization is going to kind of wrap around you and kind of you're going to take it where where it's going to go." I mean, I think he knows it. You know what I mean? Like, there's it, it's no secret how they feel about him. So I believe he knows it, understands that. Um, but I just don't think that's his personality. You know, just some people don't have that 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 type of personality. And Zach has it, whether he's earned it or not. He has that personality that this is my team. This is now my city. That's why we saw him go at, at the Wolves last night. I mean, it was a blowout basically from the start. But, you know, he wanted to put on a show knowing that Derrick Rose was coming back in that building. He didn't like that he got MVP chance on – his home floor. So, um, you know, I don't think Laurie has that mentality and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. Who knows? I mean, he's got a lot of uh, years to develop and, and, and really show us who he is. But, um, right now I, I do like his unselfishness. I do like the fact that he goes out there and, and, and doesn't command the ball and command attention, command the coach running plays for him. Uh, things like that are impressive, but there's a fine line. At some point, he is going to have to, you know, take to take control and take command of the offense and, and demand the ball. And um, I think he's working on it. It's a work in progress, man. The guy is still young, like, what, 20, 21 years old? Yeah. Second year in the league. It's going to take some time, but, you know, I'm a believer in him. I'm a believer in all of them individually. We got to see them come together and do it collectively. I agree. You, you hit it on the head. We have to see them come together and do it collectively. I would – it is a fine line with marketing because as we've seen it over the season and you know he's been hurt coming back etc he can kind of get he can kind of just disappear where you're like yo where I know he's on the floor but where is he type of thing so that's kind of where I get concerned with like you said Rolo getting 13 shots and that type of thing sometimes I think he needs a little reminder like yo you're a big big piece of this future and this team right now let's act that way sometimes yeah no doubt about it. And I wrote about that. Um, you know, I mentioned it in one of the Nuggets a couple games back where we keep blaming the teammates. We keep blaming the coaches for, for Laurie Mark. And it was that game he had like six shots and four of them were in the first quarter, something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm like, wait, wait a minute. If he is who we think he is, he needs to go out there and demand the ball and right. you know, not settle for six shots. Right. If he is who we think he is. If he's not, okay. But – you know, we can't have it both ways. And, and and that's I did I did try to make that point, but at the same time, I think the bigger thing right now for him is that he is still young. Uh, you know, he is going to get better and develop, and I think he's he can uh kind of adopt that mentality a little bit more, a lot more than he has it now. Before we switch over to this oral history of uh the Chicago Bull, the twenty ten, twenty eleven Chicago Bulls, well let's one more thing on marketing. Do you think that mentality can be built, can be created, or is that kind of that thing you're born with where, yo, give me the rock. I need it. I'll go get a bucket right now. That's what concerns me. So I'm not comparing him to KD yeah. in, in, in any way at all. Um, but the mentality does remind me a little bit of a young Kevin Durant, you know, who I covered in my OKC days, obviously. Um, you know, KD didn't really have that you know, Kobe-like killer mentality, he had to develop it and he had to to really uh, mature enough to, the, to where he was demanding the ball. 
um, you know, even to this day with the Warriors, you st- you're still seeing him pout a little bit because yeah. he's not getting the ball. Well, go get the ball, big fella. You know what I mean? Um, and he's doing that a lot more. So I, I, I hear you. I hear you. I understand the question. I do think that you're born with it, but I don't think it stops the great players from being able to make an impact in key moments, even if they don't have that mentality. I don't think Kevin Durant has that mentality, but he's so damn good, great, that it hasn't impeded his ability to have an impact in big moments. And I don't think we'll see much different with Laurie Marketing. He might not ever have that, you know, because it's just not, I don't think he was born with it necessarily, but I think he's so damn good that he's still going to be able to take over games. We'll leave it there. If you haven't caught or read on The Athletic, Darnell Mayberry just dropped. We did it for the city in oral history of Chicago's favorite team that didn't win at all. The 2010-2011 Chicago Bulls. Fantastic piece. Love the insight from all the players. It was great, man. (laughs) Thanks, man. What made you write the piece? Yeah. I, I, first, I'm, I'm just glad that it's been received so well because, like we just talked about, I've seen the other side of it, and it was just last week. Yeah, so, no, you could you have know, you could have easily swung and miss on this piece, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, and I and I was real concerned with doing it, man. It took me a lot longer in the, in terms of the writing process, um, and just really getting the gall to do it, man, because I wasn't here. You know, I didn't know what that team was all about. You know, basically being able to uh, not be not being here and, and having to see it from the outside looking in. Um, so it was kind of intimidating going about it. But but, man, when I first got here, everybody just kept talking about that team and those players. Joe King, this who that like all of these <laughs> things. And I'm like, yeah, man, I got to figure out what what what, it, what was it about this team? What was it about these players? Uh, and, you know, fortunately, man, like I, I didn't even want it to be an oral history. That's the crazy thing. But as I start talking to these players, I'm like, they've got to tell their own story. It's not like I wasn't here. I can't tell it like they can tell it. So they got to tell this story. I'm not even a fan of oral histories like that. But I felt like that was the most effective way for those guys to get their story across. Yeah, it was great. And I think that's the only kind of way you you got to get to the people. I think like everyone's so excited about that new documentary coming out with the 98 Bulls, that the 10-part series or whatever. It's because you're going to get to see behind the scenes and you're going to get to hear from Mike and you're going to get to hear from all the people that actually experienced it. That's what makes that thing special. I think you hit it on the head. You weren't here. I don't know if people would would, would have appreciated you coming in and talking about how that team was or the spe- that team being special. They'd have been like, bro, you weren't around then for that. <laughs> right, you know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, so I, I appreciated it. I, I appreciated all the quotes. Um, I got it. So the, it's funny because as I'm reading that article, and I know me and you were going to jump on the phone, I'm writing down nuggets in my notebook about things I wanted to bring up to you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what's up. Yeah. I think for me... Looking back on it, deep down, I think it was, first off, it was a special year because of how the team came together and, you know, D-Rose. We were coming off the two very mediocre teams, but, hey, this is going to be D's third year, et cetera. He's going to take it to the next level, et cetera. And we had some great playoff series when we had won the 41 games. We had that series against Boston that 
I still don't think gets enough clout because that was one of the best playoff series I've ever seen. I think like five of the seven games went to overtime. Um, insane. That's but, right. Yeah, That's do you right. remember that? I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. See, so, I'm, I'm looking at all of this outside looking in just as a, as a fan of the game. Right. I didn't like, you know, I wasn't living and dying and breathing, you know what I mean, with, with every play like y'all were. So right. a lot of that stuff I've forgotten, man. Like I, I had to be reminded of. Exactly. So the year before that, like we knew we were solid. Because we had just went to the playoffs and played the Celtics and gave them a lot, a lot of trouble. And we were like, all right, we'll be back. And then that's when we added booze. We added those couple other those couple other pieces. And we're like, no, nah, we're really about to make some noise. And deep down, I, what, when I looking back on it, what I was really, what I really, really knew, and I, I, I didn't say this out loud, and me and me and my homies that are, uh, you know, passionate Bulls fans kind of knew too, was that. If we were going to win anything, a ring, it had to be that 2010-2011 season because the window was perfect. D. Rose was in his third year. We had we were getting a new coach. We had just, you know, we had just hit the scene and we knew it was going to take time for LeBron to adjust in Miami. It wasn't going to take a long time. But it was that one year where okay, we didn't get him in Chicago. He's going to Miami. This is going to be the window where we can actually make some noise. So that was why that year was special. And we and and th- we got the, a lot of that hope because we had beat up on Miami in the regular season. Like they were just they we had they had trouble with us, you know what I mean? Yeah, I talked to Dwayne Wade about that a little bit. He was, you know, his his logic or his excuse, reasoning, whatever you want to call it was that in the regular season, you know, they were still trying to come together, but I went back and looked at those games they played them, I think they played them maybe once early in the season, but the, the second and third game came later in the season. So, you know, it was no more like, and they were rolling by then. Yeah, so we were no rolling. More, right. Yeah, and the, the Heat were rolling. The Heat were rolling too. Is that the exactly. Heat were rolling too. Yeah, so it wasn't like, oh, we still trying to figure it out. Nah, they beat y'all. You know, the Bulls beat y'all. So, um, yeah, man, it was it was a, uh, it was some crazy games back then being played. The Taj Gibson dunk. So, <laughs> yeah, that I was great. All about man, I, you know. You want to talk about the magical moment. You want to talk about the peak of being hopeful. We had beat them up all regular season. Didn't lose to them in the regular season, and then game one we smack them up by twenty one. Right. I almost think that ended up being a bad thing for us. Like that yeah. really, really woke them up. They're like, oh shit, like. Yeah. That 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 kind of maybe if it was a closer game and we and we ended up eking it out, I think the blowout kind of kind of fired them up a little bit. A couple other yeah. notes, a couple other notes I wrote down. A couple things that jumped out. How funny is it to see that Reddick Reddick's uh, tender from that we that Orlando match was three years, nineteen million. I was like, man, was it really that long ago? Like Reddick was getting three years, nineteen. Like wow. Yeah, the difference in making, money. Now he's making what, like twenty a year? Or something yeah, like he's that? Ma- yeah, he's making crazy. twenty plus per now. So that yeah. that that was a reminder of how long ago it was. Um, another quote that I loved was when Luol Deng said, "This is America's," or that, that was Scalabrini. I'm sorry. Uh, yes. the, he called it America's team with just all the different type, the, the quiet D Rose. Luol Deng being the foreign, he he said the foreign African guy. I thought that was really interesting because everyone loved us because LeBron was coming off that decision 
everyone hated that. That was the peak I hate LeBron face. No one rocked with LeBron. He was going to Miami. He's a sellout, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought that was really interesting that Scal kind of called us America's team. I never really looked at it that way. Yeah, neither did I. <laughs> um, you know, I, I loved him because I was a huge Derrick Rose fan, uh, you know, and I still <clears throat> root for him on the court to this day. You know, I, I like to see him do well. Um, but, I, you know, I didn't know any of those guys, but I, I was – from afar, I appreciated how hard they played, just like everyone else. And then I also appreciated getting to watch Derrick Rose and his prime do his thing. That's the crazy thing, though, too, Sean. It's like, <clears throat> he wasn't even in his prime. Right. Like, he was so damn young, 22 years old, out there dominating the league like he was. It was incredible, man, even from afar. Like, I, I, just, I just appreciated that. Yeah, that was why it was such a big... We all know the end of the story. It was such a big letdown when he got hurt because, yeah, man, the future the future was looking so, 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 so bright. He was unstoppable. And and, and people, like, think of – and then you, you're very familiar with Russ Westbrook. People think of Russ Westbrook and how they talk about him now. That was D. Rose, and he was younger, and it was before that. Like, right. he was – how Russ goes to the basket is D. Rose went to the basket like that. He was quick right. like that. He was all everything before, you know, he was Russ Westbrook before Russ Westbrook is right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he was and an he was animal. better. Yes. And he was better. Absolutely. He was more explosive than Russ. He was a better finisher at the rim than Russ. He was, he had a better handle than Russ. You know what I mean? Like he, he, he saw the floor better than Russ. Absolutely. Absolutely. No doubt. Hey. That dude, he was a problem, man. It's, again, it's good to see what he's doing now, but I, I really wish he never had the injuries. I mean, just like a lot of people, I'm not breaking any, yeah, of course, you know, any ground here. But the one thing I will say about that team, though, is you know, I, from the outsider's perspective, I just never thought that they were. You know, a lot of people felt like they were championship caliber, and you know, could have won it all. Probably would have won it all. I agree that they, that they could have. I don't agree that they would have just because that offense was so predictable. And if you did stop or slow down Derrick Rose, you had success. Just like LeBron and those guys showed in that conference final. So that to me was the only thing about that team that, you know, I stopped short of saying that they would have won a championship for sure. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I can I can agree with that. And like I said, to go back and look at that, that small window that I honestly think we could have got to the. To to get to the finals, you had to beat LeBron, and the only in the East, and the only way you were going to beat LeBron was in that that specific year where he was transitioning and getting used to playing with Wade and Bosh. I think that was the window, and I think our team was screaming for a two guard. Hmm. We we really 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 needed a two guard for multiple seasons. We couldn't so, add that. We never added it. So so for the people who have read the piece, you gonna sit there and bash Keith Bogans too. Keith Bogans was not the answer, bro. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> simple, simple as that. Keith Bogans was not the answer, and everybody knew that. Looking at the team, you were running out D. Rose, Keith Bogans, Dang, Joe Kim, and Carlos Boozer, and Keith Bogans was the bl- the glaring, the glaring thing that we needed. And like you said, the offense was so predictable, and just like. 
when um it got to the playoffs and they put LeBron on D Rose, he was the only guy that could really get his own shot. If we could yeah. have someone that could have stretched the floor for D Rose, where if you couldn't leave this dude, that would have gave more more room for Rose to operate in a two guard that could go get his own shot. I mean, it was a glaring, glaring, glaring hole for multiple years, and we talked about it all the time. Yeah, man. I, <laughs> Keith Bogans, he did his job, though. That's what, according to the players, you know. No, he what, did what his. I spoke with, he did his job. He did his job, and 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 he was playing like he he wasn't a scorer. He wasn't going to go out there and get buckets. But we needed someone that could take a little bit of that scoring pressure off of um off of D Rose, no doubt about it. Yeah. A couple other things I, I, I love from the piece. Is Scalabrini as funny as he comes off? He is, man. And <laughs> the, the crazy thing for me is, like, you know, before I moved to Chicago, I, I had a 6 a.m. run at, at OKC, uh, you know, that I was, I was pretty faithful to. And a 6 a.m. hoop and run. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so I would get up and their show would be on from like 6 to 9 a.m., I think, something like that. You know, he's got a show on NBA radio yeah. with Frank Isola. And I just love listening to him uh, because, you know, Frank brings it from my perspective, you know, the media's perspective, fan of the game perspective. Scal brings it from former player, now, you know, turned broadcaster, and they just got a lot of insight through their relationships and through their experiences and just being around the league for so long. So I love that show, and, you know, I, I had no connection or I didn't give a damn about Brian Scalabrini before stumbling onto that show. Right. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't care about him, you know, as a player. I didn't, you know, have any connection to him or anything like that. I didn't cover him. Um, but he it was just awesome being able to talk with him, you know, for 20, 30 minutes and, and have him help me take readers down memory lane and listening to his storytelling ability that I have heard so many times on my way to the gym and right, and, right, you know, getting dressed after after running, you know what I mean, stuff like that. So um, that was cool to me, just from a personal standpoint. But he was a good storyteller, man. He's a really he's got a gift to gab and 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 he really knows how to deliver stories. I thought Ronnie Brewer was good too, man. He he delivered a lot of insight in that piece. A guy who nobody really talks about a lot, but. You know, he had a lot of insight, and I thought the piece really, he helped put it over the top with all of, all of the insight that he was able to give. Yeah, he was uh, he was an intricate part of that squad, man. He was a good, good, good fit. And I, it, it was funny, I also, when I pulled out, speaking of Ronnie Brewer, out of the article I pulled out, I never really put together that Brewer, Corver, and uh, Boozer were that close in Utah. I knew they were teammates, but it didn't seem like they would be homies like they, they kind of let. They kind of opened up in an article and talked about. It's Utah, man. You gotta, you know, what I'm saying. Yeah, it was, <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta do something. You know what I mean? It's yeah, Utah. that's true. That's very true. Before I, before I let you go, I want to talk about Joe Kim Noah. I noticed you didn't talk to Joe Kim that much. Why not? I know you talked to him about you know being back in the building and mentioned him getting the standing ovation. Yeah. Uh, at the home game against the Warriors. But you didn't really. He didn't really. Ha- you didn't talk to him too much about that 2010-2011 season. What's the reason for that? Okay, so as you'll note at the bottom of the article, it says that uh, Stephen No, who who was a columnist and contributor for us at the Athletic, yes, sir, uh, and Tony Jones, who covers the Jazz for the Salt Lake. No, I'm sorry, covers the Jazz for us, the yeah. Athletic. 
um, you know, they contributed to the piece. Stefan got Joe Kim Noah in New Orleans uh, right after he had signed with the Grizzlies. I think they played down there. Uh, they played the Pelicans down there. Tony Jones spoke with Kyle Corver for me uh, briefly. So, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, we kind of tag team that and did the best we could, but, you know, it obviously wasn't going to be to the level of being able to just go there and ask the, the, the direct questions that I wanted to ask and uh, getting getting more time with them like I, I got with some other, some of the other guys. So, you know, it was one of those things, man. We just did the best we could and and tried to make it work as best we could. I wish I, I would have loved to be able to sit down and talk with Joe a lot more. Um, but he was hard to get before signing with the Grizzlies. That's the other thing. Uh, you know, he wasn't really doing a whole lot of media right? Uh, from everything I heard and, and was told. So um, that, he, that's just kind of how that came came about. Yeah, he beats to his own drum. I can see that. Like, I'm not yeah. talking to nobody. I don't want to hear it. I'm making right. so much money off the Knicks. It doesn't even matter anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Let yeah. me on. I'm not taking no calls. Uh, right. you know, funny story on Joe Kim. When he first got to the league, we first drafted and me and my homies were out and we saw him standing in line to get into this nightclub. And Dang. I mean, you know, look, listen, these like, you know how the Hoopers stand out. Like it's just a seven, right. a seven footer standing in line. It's like, all right, like who is this? Right. And I remember we went and tried to vouch the doorman, like, yo, this, like, you can't have my man standing outside. He just went back-to-back championships at uh, at Florida. Bulls just signed him. Like, we don't know if he's going to be anything, but, like, you can't have him standing <laughs> outside. And, yo, the door, the doorman would not go. He wouldn't, they wouldn't let him in. It was like one of those, those bullshit, you know, political nightclub type of things, but, I always remember looking at Joe Kim with his ponytail standing outside, and he, he couldn't get in the spot. It was actually kind of funny. I bet you they were begging for him to come back about four years later. It never happened again, I can promise you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, before I get you out of here, who was your favorite uh, favorite person to talk to? Who did you enjoy most? Was it Scalabrini? Was it Brewer? Yeah, it was probably Scalabrini. Um, you know, it was just comical and, you know, it was just, he made me laugh a lot. Like I, I will pull up that thing right now on my phone, read those quotes and still start laughing out loud. So that was cool. You know, just being able to talk to him and add some comedic relief to the piece. Yeah, no uh, doubt. I mean, that stuff with, uh, Kurt Thomas calling him midlife, like that was hilarious, yeah, bro. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. And that's how he is. Like every morning on NBA radio, that's how he is. He's laughing. If they're on the radio for three hours, he's spending two hours laughing. Right. That's just the type of personality he is. And so that was fun. I probably I probably have to put it up there. Man, I, I tell you, I, I loved Derrick Rose so much when he was coming in. Like when I, I used to watch high school highlights. You know what I mean? When he was at Simeon and just dominating. And and I remember as, as a friend I got back in OKC, I'm like, yo, I don't know who this kid is, but he's he's next. Right. And you know how like you you believe in someone early and then they they live up to all that shit you were talking about them and that make you look a little bit better with your people. Oh, that's you I know? told you, bro. Yeah. So I had a little <laughs> bit of, I told you going on with Derrick Rose all these years. Cause you know, uh, he was just, I, I just loved the way he, he played the game. And, uh, so talking to him, man, I only got a couple minutes with him, but you know, I waited until everyone was done after the game up there in Minnesota that the bulls played. And, <clears throat> cool story about Derek, man. His mom was calling him in the locker room. She she was calling him, and yeah. you know he he picked up the phone. He was like, "Mom, I'm I'm walking out. The game just ended." 
Uh, so dude is clearly trying to get out of there. We talked to him for about five, seven minutes as a group. Derek doesn't know me from Adam. You know right. what I mean? And you know how he is. He don't talk to you if he don't know you. Yeah. So like people said in the piece. And I, I just introduced him, myself to him and and told him who, who I was with, you know, told him, you know, I was doing the Thunder when you were doing your thing in Chicago. But, you know, and, and he cool with Russ. Maybe he didn't know that me and Russ ain't cool like that. But, you know, <laughs> I think I think that just kind of that kind of loosened him up. He was like, OK, all right, yeah. And he gave me like five, six extra minutes talking about this piece. And unfortunately, man, I spent the last two minutes talking to him about Jabari Parker because that's that was kind of the story when I, you know, back in November was the Jabari, the Jabari Parker situation. So, um, you know, I wish I just talked to him more about that team and and, uh, you know, how much it meant and all of that to, to him, to the city. Um, but but he was cool, man. He, he gave me a lot of time that he didn't have to give me when he was clearly trying to get out of there and go be with his family and call his mom back. Yeah, man, that's a. You hear a lot of stories about D Rose with, with situations like that. I think it's great that you know he's back to. I think this might be the first time in his life while that he's strictly only playing ball. He's not worried about this, that, or he. You know, he's got he's got a lady that he's with now, and they're um. You know, they're doing they're doing well. They're healthy. He's just he's showing up to the facility and playing ball. Like that's it. He doesn't have to worry about the whole team on his back, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's why you're kind of see this resurgence. And it's it's obvious that he's been in the gym shooting, putting up shots, because he's shooting at what, like a forty seven percent clip from three. Right. He's dangerous when he's knocking down jump shots. So I'm really happy for him as well, man. I think it's great that he's uh just focused on playing ball and he's in a familiar situation with Thibodeau and, and Taj are over there and everything. So I think it's great. Yeah, man. It's a good story. It's a, it's a great story. Absolutely. I'll let you go. D Darnell Mayberry covers the bulls for the athletic. My man, thank you for hopping on the phone real quick, man. We'll have to do this again soon, bro. I appreciate you having me, man. Absolutely. I'm sorry. You're, are you, are you in uh DC right now? Nah, nah, I'm in Chicago. I'm not going to that game, man. The Bulls, Wizards, come on. <laughs> okay. Come on, man. I, that, I was going to say, I was going to apologize, and you know what I'm saying? Just, I was going to say, enjoy your time in D.C. outside of the game, but you didn't have to go, so that's what's up. Yeah, yeah, I'm in Chicago. All right, man, enjoy your time. Darnell Mayberry at The Athletic. Thanks again, my man. All right, appreciate it. Later.